occupational therapist and a certified aging in place specialist. And this is the Home Designs for Life podcast, your resource for aging in place and universal design. For more resources on aging in place, please visit my website, homedesignsforlife.com. There you will find my blog and more valuable information on how you can age in place and create a home for life. And joining us today, we have Edie. She has been an occupational therapist for 28 years. Uh, She has worked in every single uh, type of uh, care possible in hospitals, outpatient, rehab. Uh, She has worked in acute, subacute, and she has been working in the home health industry for over 13 years now. Uh, She works for Encompass Health, and we are very lucky to have her with us today. Thank you, Edie, for joining us. Thanks, Janet. Yes, so Edie, uh, since you are a home health therapist and here at Home Designs for Life podcast, our goal is to educate our listeners on how they can basically create a home for life so that people can stay in their homes uh, for as long as possible and make renovations, whether they be simple uh, fixes or more complicated renovations where they hire a contractor uh, to basically make their home safer, uh, increase their accessibility, uh, decrease their fall risk. And I know as an occupational therapist, that's your bread and butter. So I wanted to ask you a few questions on how you go about uh, performing your home safety evaluations. So can you tell us? Yeah. um, Basically, the home safety evaluation starts um, the minute I drive up to the house. Um, As I'm pulling into the driveway, I'm assessing... uh, the safety of the driveway, the walkway of um, from the driveway to the entrance. Um, I'm also looking at stairs, the presence of railings, um, and the safety of the railings as well. I see. So, yeah, those. I think that's wonderful because we often just think about the bathroom when we think about home safety, but really it encompasses the entire house. Oh yeah. And yeah, I know when I was working as an occupational therapist, one of the biggest problems that my patients had when they had an injury or um, some kind of, um, you know, where their health failed, they were unable to get in and out of their homes. So that's That's a huge factor. Um, So tell us what exactly um, what are the kinds of things that you're looking for once that once you enter the home? All right. The um, the the first thing I'm going to notice is just kind of a general sweep as far as um, the presence of clutter, the presence of um, any kind of tripping hazards. I'm going to be looking at the flooring and the um, condition of the flooring, whether there's um, carpet. Rugs on top of carpet, um, intact flooring, throw mats. Um, So I'm really looking at once I walk in that front door and I, as I make my way through the house, I'm really looking more 
at the surface where we're going to be getting into um, tripping hazards. Um, and that also could include um, power cords, um, small pets or big pets. Um, but um, really just looking at mostly the walkways and, um, and how a person is going to navigate. Um, so if they're going to be going home with a walker or a cane or a wheelchair, also um, are the walkways and entryways and doorways large, large enough to accommodate the walkers and the wheelchairs and um, getting through with an assistive device? I see. That makes uh, a lot of sense. And tell me, what room in the house usually presents the biggest uh, safety hazards? Um, definitely, in my experience, the bathroom. Um, the bathroom, you know, it's probably the hardest room in the house because all the surfaces are hard. A lot of times, the flooring... Um, can be very slippery if it's at all wet. So um, when I walk into a bathroom, I'm gonna open up the shower curtains or shower doors and look in um, the shower and look for grab bars. Is there a seat? Is there a handheld shower um, to make everything safer and easier for the person to get in and out and complete the shower? Um, is there a mat on the outside of the shower? so that when somebody steps out with wet feet, they're not gonna be slipping on tile or whatever surface the floor is. I'm also looking at the height of the toilet, if there's grab bars um, by the toilet, if there's other equipment around the toilet, whether it be a raised toilet seat or a commode over the toilet. And I'm also looking at the surface of the floor and area around the toilet area. Well, those are great uh, pointers, and I'm sure that people out there didn't realize that there was uh, so much to a bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there is. <laughs> and now that you've mentioned all of that, one uh, thing that I find over and over, especially in older homes uh, that were built, let's say, you know, in the 80s, 70s, 60s, that there isn't enough lighting in the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. What's your opinion? Yeah. Lighting is a, um, a big, um, a big item that we're going to be looking at. Um, you know, is there enough lighting is, um, is for the daytime anyways, is there enough lighting? Is there natural light that can come through the window? Is there lighting if there's not a lot of natural light? Um, and also at nighttime, I'm looking if to see if somebody has night lights. A lot of times the the light from a night light might be just enough to walk from the bed to the bathroom where you're not kind of blinding yourself by turning on the full lights. Um, but you definitely want to have that walkway lit enough to be able to see it. If you do have low vision, you're definitely going to want to turn on the lights at night. Um, but also the lighting in the rest of the house um, as well. And if there are lamps, um, again, we're looking at power cords. Um, are people able to get to them? Um, a lot of the older, not so much um, 60s, 70s, 80s, but even older homes um, also have a lack of um, 
power. Um, what am I thinking? I'm trying to say power. The outlets. Um, the outlets. And so a lot of times you find somebody that has, you know, a lot of things plugged into one outlet with an extension cord. Um, and right. be careful about how many things are plugged in and where is that extension cord going? And is it, you know, at all in, in a, in a pathway, whether it's for, whether it's for transfers or mobility. Right. I remember I had a patient a couple of years ago that she lived alone. She was probably in her eighties, but very independent, uh, you know, very functional. And that was exactly what caused her fall. It was uh, the power cords that were uh, plugging in her lamps and yeah. she had a, a security system uh, and everything was plugged in to the same area. And she had to go right to that area to close her shades. And that was how she fell. Yeah. She, she uh, got tripped up in all of those cords. And, you know, even after she got home and was receiving uh, therapy, all of those cords were still present. So... That was a uh, that took some working with the caregivers and educating them on uh, really what was necessary, how cords can be plugged in in other places. You know, did everything really need to be in one place? Um, you know, one thing that I recommend a lot with you know all of our advancements in technology is having motion sensor lighting. Yeah, because that really takes care of you know, the person having to get in between a narrow area, you know, to have to turn a light on. You want a light on once you walk into a room, not after you've walked 15 steps into that room. Right, right. So that is huge. I, I really believe that technology is going to be the biggest area in aging in place in a few years that where we're going to rely on technology uh, to help, you know, make our homes safer and, you know, help everything be more adaptive and, you know, add communication systems. Um, so now that we're talking about uh, different things that we can add to the home, like technology, uh, going back to the bathroom, what kind of equipment is it that you uh, usually recommend? Um, definitely grab bars and wherever they're bathing, whether it's, um, a tub shower or a walk-in shower, um, there should be a grab bar as you enter that tub or shower. And as you're in that tub and shower at an angle to where you can reach it from sitting and standing. Um, also some simple, um, Items that um, are really helpful are tub benches or shower seats and raised toilet seats. Um, it's it. There's so many people that really struggle to get up from our standard toilet seat. So um, either getting a high toilet seat or elevating that toilet seat with um, something that they can buy at a lot of stores, Amazon, Walmart.com. Um, 
and the right tub bench or the right shower seat for that person. Um, it definitely should be one that can elevate so that it's the right height for that person. And that goes along with the toilet seat for the toilet seats as well. Um, so we're not just looking at throwing anything in there. We want to make sure that the patient can easily get up and down from every surface. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And one thing, one tip that I would give to listeners is that it does matter uh, whether you're short or tall. And uh, some of these raised toilet seats are too tall for the average woman, but right. they're perfect for a man. So just keep that in mind that when you buy a toilet seat, just because it's higher doesn't mean it's better because you definitely want your feet to touch the ground. Uh, so sometimes the three-in-one commode is really the best option because yeah. it can be adjusted to a tall person's height. It can be adjusted to a short person's height. And they even make uh, three-in-one commodes in a bad bariatric size for larger people. Right. One thing I would say about the three-in-one commode is a standard three-in-one commode, from my experience, the opening of the toilet seat is not, does not accommodate most men. And that's a lot, a big complaint that I have had from a lot of men. So if you can try to get an oval shaped toilet seat versus a round, because the round opening is pretty small. Yes. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Because that's where changing your toilet and upgrading it to a comfort height toilet or an ADA height toilet where the toilet is somewhere between 17 and 19 inches tall will keep you from having those issues. And right. it will be comfortable and it will look much better in your bathroom and it will also increase the value of your home because now you've just upgraded the toilet with a modern toilet that doesn't look at all handicapped. It's comfortable and you can use it easily. And most likely you will not need assistance from another person to help you get up or down from the toilet. Mm -hmm. So it's totally worth investing, you know, to whatever it costs, you know, there's a whole range. It could be $200. You know, they have toilets that are a thousand dollars. If you select a toilet with smart technology, or with a bidet, which is another very nice option, uh, especially for women uh, to maintain good hygiene. I just want to put in there that uh, one of the most common reasons why elderly people go into the hospital is due to a urinary tract infection. And as women, we are more susceptible to UTIs. Um, so if you have a, a bidet, you're able to maintain better hygiene and perhaps, uh, well, I would say definitely reduce your risk for UTI. That's right. Yeah. But these are really helpful and I've suggested them um, many times for also for whatever reason, whether you have shoulder problems with rotator cuff tears or arthritis, or you're a large person, a lot of people can't um, really thoroughly complete toilet, toilet hygiene. And that's where the bidet comes in and really helps in that, in that respect. Yeah, I agree. And 
Uh, you have a whole range of prices too. I've seen them as low as $50 where it's something that you attached to the toilet seat. And I've seen them as expensive as four or $500, where it's a whole system that has drying and mist and it's completely automated. It's basically like a car wash. Yes, and warm water. <laughs> yeah, warm water. And I will tell you, patients love it. Yeah. Uh, so if you have the money to spend on it, I would say it's well worth your money. So Edie, uh, tell us uh, tell us two things that either a, a senior or a caregiver could do today to make their house safer and more accessible. Oh, only two, huh? Well, you could give <laughs> me more than two. <laughs> okay. Actually... The one thing I would say if is if somebody lives alone or lives with another with a spouse or another person that has a cognitive impairment, I definitely recommend some type of emergency call system um, because a, a fall is bad enough without having to lay on the floor for hours or days. Um, and in my several years of home health and my several years as being an occupational therapy therapist, I could fill a book with some pretty sad stories. So I really do um, highly recommend that, whether it's a pendant that you wear around your neck that you can press the button or the wristband that you can press the button. And some people even use, um, some people's children have set up Alexa for them where they can, if they're um, able to remember the name, they can call out to Alexa to call my son or to call 911. So there are options in that area. I would also highly recommend grab bars in the bathroom. Um, there should be at least two grab bars in the shower and one by the toilet, um, at least one. Also, removing any unnecessary throw rugs. <clears throat> it's an easy thing to do to walk through the house and imagine yourself or even take your parents' walker and walk through and see if they're, the back legs of the walker are pulling up on anything, whether they're pulling up on a rug or a carpet um, or getting caught on anything. Um, and just check for non-slip surfaces, too, in the mostly in the bathroom. That's great. You gave us some great recommendations. And one thing I wanted to add to the throw rugs, because this is a point of contention with uh, a lot of older people, is they really love their rugs yeah. and they don't want to get rid of them. So I have a great suggestion. You can have a rug. You just have to have a heavy rug. So mm -hmm. for example, in, in a room, a large room, if you have a rug that is at least five by seven, that will usually be heavy enough where your walker or your wheelchair will not pick it up as you're going over it. And if you're in the bathroom, you can have a throw rug. It just has to have a non-slip backing behind it. So usually all of the rugs that have a white backing, that will create enough friction on the floor where they won't slip. So as long as you have that, that is safe. You just don't want to have a rug or a towel that moves. 
Right. And especially not a towel. A towel will always move, will always wrinkle, and it's a fall hazard no matter how you look at it. Right. So I, I'm I'm so grateful that we had you on today. You gave us uh, such valuable information and, you know, you are on the front lines really seeing what people experience and you're seeing the other end of it because you're in there once an accident happens or once someone, you know, develops a disease process like Parkinson's or dementia or, you know, MS, um, or perhaps, you know, they have an illness like cancer that uh, makes them weak, you know, for a period of time. Um, so you really can speak to it from all of the different perspectives um, where disability comes in. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we are very thankful that you were with us today. We had um, so much fun and we are going to close it for now.